For example, if your current thought is, I don't have enough money, and you think, I have so much money, I could buy yachts and pearls and fabulous vacations, your brain's going to be like BS and it's going to make it worse. But you could choose a thought along the lines of, I'm open to believing I have enough money, which probably feels a little bit more believable. I'm open to believing I'm smart enough. I'm open to believing I'm worthy. Welcome to Is This All There Is, the podcast for high-achieving women who have checked all the boxes and are left feeling overwhelmed, unfulfilled, and stuck. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ryan Fear, and in each episode, we'll use principles of cognitive psychology, feminist theory, and expert mindset coaching to help you build the confidence and clarity you need to accomplish whatever it is you want, even if you don't yet know what that is. Today, we're going to talk all about the vicious cycle of not enoughness. Often, our beliefs about ourselves show up as facts. We believe they're the truth about who we are, but really a belief is only a thought you think over and over again. I'm smart. I'm quiet. I'm an introvert. I'm good at soccer. I'm not good at math. These might be some thoughts you think about yourself. These beliefs get buried in our subconscious and they become part of our identity. Most of my clients believe they aren't enough. Not good enough, not smart enough, not attractive enough, not lovable enough. This core belief about themselves causes a lack of confidence. In this episode, you will learn why most women believe they aren't good enough, where else not enough shows up in our lives and how it holds us back, And then finally, what to do about it. So why did I start thinking about this whole concept of not enoughness and how it shows up really in all areas of our lives? It's like 360 degrees of not enoughness. For most of my life, I believed that I wasn't good enough. I spent years and thousands of dollars in therapy trying to overcome it, bought countless self-help books that I learned a great deal of information from, but I still didn't have the transformation I was looking for. Then I hired my first coach, and I learned how my thoughts were actually creating my reality. By believing that I wasn't good enough, I created results that confirmed that belief. Your thoughts create your reality. And then to back it up, your brain is like a golden retriever and will give you evidence of anything you believe. So if you believe you're not good enough, guess what your brain's going to find you evidence of? Yeah, you're not good enoughness. Say that five times fast. That's called confirmation bias. So let me explain. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. But there are facts and then there are stories. So facts are entirely neutral. Facts don't cause us pain until we think a thought about them. So a fact might be your SAT score. Why am I bringing that up? I don't know. Maybe you remember what your SAT score was. Maybe you've used that as evidence over time that you're not very smart. Maybe a fact is, yeah, let's get out of high school. (laughs) Here's a better fact. A fact is your boss said, I need to see you at 5 p.m. today. That's a fact. It can mean so many different things. We don't feel an emotion about a fact until we think a thought about it. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. My boss wants to see me at 5 p.m. Maybe she wants to promote me. Who knows? There's so many reasons your boss might want to meet with you at 5 p.m. But what you think about that is what causes your emotion. 
So let's imagine, let's play this out. Let's imagine your boss sends you an email, sends you a text, whatevs. Can't believe I just said whatevs. <laughs> let's imagine your boss sends you a text that says, I need to see you at 5 p.m. in my office. Now, if you're like I used to be, my first thought would have been, oh crap, I'm going to get fired. Or what does she know that I don't know? Or what has she found out? It wouldn't have been good. So let's imagine that's your thought too. What if your thought is, oh crap, I'm going to get fired? So then for the rest of the day, you're probably not going to be feeling very good. You're probably going to be feeling anxious. So the circumstance is your boss said, your boss texted, I need to meet you at 5 p.m. We need to meet at 5 p.m. You're feeling anxious, but not because of the text. You're feeling anxious because of the thought that you're thinking, I'm going to get fired. From that place of anxiety, you're probably not going to be doing your best work. If you're meeting with clients, you're probably not going to be fully present because you're going to be worried about getting fired in the back of your mind. If you're attending meetings, again, you're probably not bringing your best self because you're worried about getting fired in the back of your mind. So from this anxiety about this hypothetical situation, you're not really bringing your A game to work, which is creating a result of more not goodness at work, <laughs> more reasons that you might get fired at work, just from this thought. Your thoughts create your reality. So if you're believing, if your belief is I'm not smart enough, that's going to impact the way that you show up. And that's going to give your brain plenty of evidence to find of how you're not smart enough. Your thoughts create your reality. When I became a coach, I noticed this not enoughness hiding in every single one of my clients. Now, these are really smart women who've achieved a lot in their lives, but they still believed at their core that their successes were coincidence, that any day someone would find out their secret, that they actually didn't know what they're doing, and they were spending all their time and energy trying to prove to themselves and to other people that they actually were good enough. Why do so many smart, creative, accomplished women believe they're not good enough? It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with our culture. If you think about it, Western culture is a patriarchal culture, and the whole idea behind a patriarchal culture is that women are worth less than men. And so we've been raised with thoughts, beliefs, images of women being second to men. So we come up, literally and figuratively, with these beliefs that we're not good enough, where we come second, we're not as good as men. And it's not quite, I mean, it could be that blatant, but it often isn't. It often shows up more subtly. I think I told you that I'm watching reruns of the TV show Blossom that was with Maya Bialik. I think I pronounced her name right. I hope I pronounced her name right in the 90s. And at the time, I remember it being thought of as kind of a smart feminist type of TV show because Blossom was this spunky, smart teenage character that did really well in school. But all she talks about are boys. <laughs> and her whole life revolves around like dating and her friendship with her friend six and all they talk about are boys. And really like it's not the smart feminist comedy that I would expect in 2022. But I guess in 1992, it was a smart feminist comedy. Anyway, so there are subtle messages throughout that show about women not being as good as men. And they would never come out and say that, obviously. But these are the messages that were programmed into our brains from a young age. 
So if you live at the intersection of any other marginalized identities, it's exponentially likely you believe that you aren't good enough. Not because of anything inherently flawed with you, because I bet you're pretty darn awesome, but because you've had a lifetime of other people communicating to you subtly and not so subtly that you're in fact not good enough. You don't quite measure up. You don't reach the bar. We also live in a culture of not enoughness. Probably sounds better to call it a culture of scarcity. (laughs) If you don't believe this, look at the current wealth disparities in our society. We have folks like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos launching themselves into space while many people can't even feed their kids. Nobody needs billions of dollars. But the cycle of, there may not be enough tomorrow, so I have to hoard now, feels real to pretty much every human, no matter if you have billions or if you have pennies. You also can look at the diet industry. People spend billions of dollars each year because they don't believe their bodies are good enough. Women spend billions of dollars on skincare, makeup, and treatments because they fear they don't look young enough. They don't look attractive enough. They just don't like the way their bodies look. Shame and body image tend to go hand in hand as women age. So how does this show up? When you constantly believe that you aren't worthy, you're constantly trying to prove your worthiness. You're conditioned to believe that all of your value lies in how productive you are, what you achieve, what you do for others, how you look. You tend to throw away yourself. Women, in fact, become selfless, which is something that's valued in our culture, right? Selflessness. Whenever a client tells me, oh, but that would be selfish, she often says it like it's this big taboo thing. Like, I'm supposed to throw away myself. Why, how could I possibly be selfish? Ew. So we end up in this trap of spending all of our time, energy, and money trying to prove our worthiness. We don't set boundaries because we're worried what other people will think of us. We don't want to hurt other people's feelings because we're always putting other people above ourselves. We tell ourselves we don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough love. We believe that rest equals laziness and have a big fear around being deemed being lazy. And so we'll we'll work ourselves to disease rather than rest because we don't want anyone, less of all ourselves, to think that we're lazy. Not enoughness, scarcity also, believe it or not, shows up as clutter in our homes. So the more stuff you have around you, the more it shows a fear of letting things go. That's why decluttering can be such a hard process for so many people because they're like, I spent good money on this. I can't let it go. And believe me, I've been 100% guilty of this. Or you think, I might need this sometime. I don't want to spend the money to replace it, so I'm going to hold on to it. I say that as I'm looking at still some of the unpacked boxes that are in my office. Another way not enoughness or scarcity thinking shows up is the constant worrying about what other people think of you. Have you ever had that experience where, let's say you say something, and you're afraid later on, I might have offended my coworker or my friend or whatever. We'll choose coworker just for this hypothetical situation. And so you dwell in it all day until you can talk to that person. And finally, you come across that person again, and you say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for what I said. It was totally insensitive, blah, blah, blah. And that person looks at you and is like, what are you talking about? I don't remember what you said. (laughs) But meanwhile, the whole time you've been worried about the negative impact of what you said on the other person. So this is part of the constant worrying about what other people think about you. 
So why is this constant scarcity thinking a problem? When you're constantly in your head and feeling anxious, you can't shift into problem-solving mode. You're always in fight or flight. Think about it. If you're always worried about not having enough money, you're going to, from that place of feeling anxious, you're not going to be able to step outside of that and think creatively about ways to bring in more money. You're going to either spend the money while you have it so that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where not enough money actually becomes no money, or you'll go further into debt if you think, I'll never pay off my debt, so why even bother? So it just creates more of what you're already thinking. This is why you're so exhausted all the time. This is why you're burned out and fried. This is why you feel like you're in survival mode, because you literally are always in fight or flight when you're in not enough thinking. When you live in a society that tells you that you aren't enough and you believe it, you just create more of that not enoughness. Welcome to the matrix. (laughs) So now that you understand the problem, you're thinking, well, what in the heck do I do about it? I get it. I wake up in the morning thinking I don't have enough sleep. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough food in the fridge. Someone needs to go to the store. I don't have, I don't know, insert whatever thing you're telling yourself you don't have. So here's the solution. I'm always telling my clients awareness is the first step. So usually if you're feeling like you're not good enough or you don't have enough of something, it's paired with a feeling of anxiety. Again, it's not because of the circumstance that you're telling yourself you don't have enough of. So it's not about your bank account balance. It's not about what you said at a meeting. It's not about whatever else. It's because you're telling yourself, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. When you notice yourself feeling anxious, pause and ask yourself, what was I just thinking? Write down all the thoughts you can pull out of your brain. Do this over and over, and you'll start to notice a pattern. This is called a thought download, and this is one of the first things I assign my clients. So when you notice yourself feeling anxious, ask yourself, what was I just thinking? Write down all the thoughts that come to mind. Our brains have greatest hits that they love to play over and over again. Some of my brain's greatest hits are, you don't know what you're doing. There's not enough time for all that you need to do. You should only spend money that you've made. So not go into debt, not borrow money from yourself, not use credit cards. I only get to spend money that I make. That's one of my brain's rules (laughs) that I'm working on right now. So when you notice your greatest hits, this is the time to be on to your brain because every thought you think is optional. Every belief you have is optional. Nowhere is it written that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have enough money. It's not written anywhere, I promise you that. This is not your destiny to fulfill. You can change it. Tell yourself, once you become aware of the thought, remind yourself, I no longer need to believe this thought. I like to have conversations with my brain where I say, oh yeah, thanks for that thought, but we don't think that way anymore. That thought's not helping me. You can always choose something that you would want to believe instead. So instead of scarcity, train yourself to look for abundance. It's not as simple as just switching to a different thought, though, because your brain will protest if it doesn't believe that new thought. So, for example, if your current thought is, I don't have enough money, and you think, I have so much money, I could buy yachts and pearls and whatever, fabulous vacations, your brain's going to be like BS and it's going to make it worse. But you could choose a thought along the lines of, I'm open to believing I have enough money which probably feels a little bit more believable. 
I'm open to believing I'm smart enough. I'm open to believing I'm worthy. Since your brain is trained to look for evidence of what's going wrong, you have to actually look for what's going right. So if you're believing you're not good enough, you're not worthy, your brain's going to find you evidence of that naturally because that's just what brains do. So you have to actively look for evidence of how you are worthy, how you're good enough, how you're smart enough, how you have enough money, whatever it is you're working on. Create an evidence list of every time you say something smart at a meeting, write it down. Every time that you have a deposit into your bank account, write it down. That's how you can start to build evidence for abundance rather than lack. So you can also look for where you do have abundance in your life, whether it's tangible or intangible. Today, my daughter and I were in the car and she needed a napkin. So I pulled a napkin out of the little center console and there was a napkin inside of the napkin. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have an abundance of napkins. And I say it in kind of a silly way, but I try to actively look for the abundance of what I do have in my life, even if it's napkins, because that trains my brain to look for more abundance and to look for more of, of the good things that I'm looking for. So maybe you have an abundance of sweaters in your closet. Maybe you have an abundance of junk mail. Maybe you have an abundance of patience. <laughs> maybe you don't. Maybe you have an abundance of oxygen. This is where working with a coach can be super powerful. A coach can help you see your blind spots and pick out the thoughts that are holding you back that you didn't even know that you were thinking. A coach can help you identify your brain's greatest hits and then help you create new thoughts and find evidence that those new thoughts are true to help you progress progress through this even faster. A coach will help you create more believable thoughts and help you work on changing your brain so those believable thoughts actually become your greatest hits. Okay. So to recap, number one, if you take nothing else from this podcast, I want you to know our thoughts create our reality, period, full stop. Number two, most women believe they're not enough, not because of anything to do with them, but because of our culture. Number three, not enoughness shows up in sneaky areas. It shows up in telling ourselves we don't go to the gym enough. We don't run fast enough. We don't spend enough time with our kids. There's not enough time to do what we want to do or what we have to do. You get the idea. Number four, in order to begin to combat not enoughness, first be aware of your thoughts by writing them down when you start to feel anxious and remind yourself that you no longer need to think that thought. Decide what you want to work on believing instead. And number five, look for abundance. It's all about retraining your brain. So if this work speaks to you and you'd like to talk about how coaching can help you believe in your own worth, regardless of what you do or say or what other people do or say, so that you can start feeling more confident and calm and create something amazing in your life, we should talk. I would love to chat with you about where you are, where you want to go, and how I can help you build the most amazing life because it is 100% possible. You just need to learn to work with your brain, not against it, and I can help you with that. All right. Hope you're well. Take care. And we'll talk next week. If you found this podcast helpful, head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Go ahead and send it to a friend while you're at it. Thank you. My mission in life is to liberate women from the limiting beliefs that are holding them back from living their fullest, most joyful lives. If you'd like to learn more about my work, check out my website at www.amandaryanfear.com. 
www.jennyfeldman.com, where you can find links to join my free private Facebook group and to learn more about working with me.